Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Drive Through HR. Uh, my name is Robin Schooling. I'm I'm the uh, host of the show today, and uh, it is May 19th, so we are halfway, a little over halfway through the month of May, and almost halfway through the month of year of 2021, which I can't believe. Um, so we're going to have a really interesting conversation today and I'm so looking forward to it. A, a previous guest of ours who is returning um, and think it's, it's going to give us a lot of insight um, about what it's like to be an HR professional who's either hiring other HR professionals or being an HR professional who is in the in career transition or job search mode or whatever we want to call it. So without any further ado, let me give a warm, uh, warm shout out, warm welcome to our guest and one of my favorite people in the, in the industry, Laura Mazzullo. Hi, Laura. Hi, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be talking to you again, as always. I know. And just think one of these days we'll get to do it in person again. So that'll be That'll be better. (laughs) I owe you a trip down to Louisiana because you came to New York in 2019, and then we were not able to go anywhere. But now I have no excuse. Come down to Baton Rouge and have a little adventure. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we've got uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, as we kind of did our (laughs) our pre-show prep and and talked about. these things because what is so just absolutely um, inspiring to me um, about kind of the things that that you do in addition to running your business, but just a wealth of information and, and, you know, coaching for want of a better word for not just your clients and, and the candidates you're working with, but I think for people in, you know, kind of the greater HR and TA world, um, so uh, let me let me have you introduce yourself to our audience for folks that don't know you. A um, little bit about your background, what you do, what what Eastside Staffing is all about. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, and I'm so excited for anyone listening. You should know that when Robin and I have these really deep, vulnerable talks about HR, usually nobody is listening. So it's very <laughs> exciting that you're going to get us in our full, uh, passionate form today. So, yes, I, it's true, right? I mean, it's like we are, we don't hold (laughs) back. We share the truth and we share what we're seeing. So we are, we are truth tellers, Robin. And I love that about us. Yes. So, yes, I am a New Yorker talking to my, I guess you're you're a southerner, right? The the Louisiana world we consider the South. So we, um, we were lucky enough to be back at the Namely HR Conference in 2019. And so I own Eastside Staffing, which I started eight years ago, which is an HR recruitment firm based here in Manhattan. 
I try to think of myself as different from the way we've always done recruiting, which is that recruiting firms are really known to just place people and that's it. Um, and as mm-hmm. Robin, you were so kind to say, I really do take pride in the coaching and consulting that I offer. So in addition to just, you know, quote, placing people, I also help HR leaders and HR job seekers to navigate the process better. So there are just lots of different solutions for that. I'm finding that the talent acquisition space, specifically corporate recruiting, is really interesting in that most TA pros are under-trained. They don't really have training and development programs. They're not mm-hmm. really – they don't have coaches. We see those solely for executives. And the more I'm talking to global TA leaders, the more I'm realizing their teams are so overwhelmed right now, and no one's really servicing them from a training and development standpoint. So. All things mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about. I guess you could say I, I love hiring specifically for HR, and I like to think of myself as someone that can really help HR leaders learn how to hire better. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yep. 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 I, you know, and and I think, um, you know, when we wrap up the show, we'll we'll make sure to remind people where they can connect with you online. But um, uh, I'm just going to put that out right at the beginning. If if you're working in the HR space. Um, uh, you, you know, connect with Laura and, and follow what she does online because there are, um, you know, just daily <laughs> kind of tips and, <laughs> and ideas and things that you share. So uh, we'll, we'll make sure we get those, those links out at the end of the show. Um, Thank you. You know, we, um, you know, and you've always kind of operated that way. And, and now, of course, we've had, you know, we're coming out the, the back end of um, the year from hell. Um, and uh, all the changes that it has that it has wrought. Um, what you know, because because you work in this very, you know, kind of um, you know microcosm of 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 hiring, right? You know, let's get let's get right. HR folks to work and let, help help HR teams run, um, as opposed to you know end to end, you know, of every scope, every every um, sort of profession. But you know, what did you see? You know, you look back over the last, you know, 15 or so months, what did you kind of see? The, how did the state of hiring in HR and the staffing of HR departments kind of, you know, what what did you see over the last 15 months? Yeah. I love that you're, well, you're always honest and authentic, but I love that you're honest enough just to call it the year from hell because that's really what it was. I'm sort of sick of sugarcoating yeah. it, right? It's like it sucked. We all had a hard time. And so, yeah, I think that really impacted HR hiring. And I know you and I both worked through 2008, and I think it was really very Mm -hmm. similar to that year where Mm -hmm. everyone just cut HR, basically HR costs all around. So there was hiring freezes, furloughs, layoffs. And unfortunately, what was really upsetting for me to see, because I was hoping that we had learned from 2008, was that they were still, executives were still talking about HR as a cost center, as a non-revenue generating department. And so the budgets were starting to get cut from there first. And I thought, oh, no, didn't we learn HR is a Mm -hmm. necessity, especially in a crisis that involves people? So it was Mm -hmm. kind of a, you know, pardon my, my, I don't know if I could curse on this show, but it was a blank show, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it was a shit show. Um, and I say that with with total truth because it was really 
sad, actually, to see it happening. Yeah. I mean, it was like I was getting yeah. emails daily about, you know, I was laid off. I was laid off. I'm like, how were you laid off? You're you're a massively necessary part of mm-hmm. that organization. So, mm-hmm. of course, now it's 2021, and it's the complete opposite, I think, which is great. But also yeah. reminds me of 2009 and 10 of like, so now what? We just put the, we just go full force, like manic, you know, energy that's just sort of haphazard and it's not it's it's really kind of sometimes too much the opposite way yeah it's, it's almost like a well, stop and, and go there seems to be no gears yeah well and i think what what you know what i what happened you know and so in in in, in our business at parents group uh one of our practice areas uh, or one of the services that falls under our, our recruiting practice area we don't necessarily do direct you know we don't do direct placements but we um, we have a division that manages contract recruiters, right? So, yeah. Um, and and so obviously the the TA folks were hit, you know. I mean, by the end of March last year, right? I mean, TA is first to go, right? Oh, well, we're hiring yep. three, so let's dump all our in-house recruiters. And yep. um, so we we kind of saw that on our end. Um, the folks working in that um, division of ours, you know, their their contacts, their network, you know, folks reach, reaching out the same way, right? Oh, I've just been laid off. Got any contract gigs, you know, got any clients that yeah. need, need, need help. Um, and, yeah, and then this year, and so now we're, like, we're busy. Uh, and, and it picked up at the end of the year, but um, it was, yeah, it was like the spigot went off, and then the spigot went on full blast. Because I think yeah. there was nobody, and I understand there was a lot of stuff going on. You know, is our business going to survive? Whatever, but it was like there was no planning done ahead of time. We we kind of sounded the alarm, if you will, alarm. But um, you know, last May or June, and said at some point this is going to end. We didn't know then it would take another year, but you know, at some point this is going to end. So don't sit and act as if you're not going to have to ramp back up at some yes. stage. Start thinking, planning for that. And and nobody really did, it seems. Yeah, especially those who weren't in the workforce during the financial crisis, because I think they really didn't, yeah. they don't remember that. It was exactly like this. It was like, I remember mm-hmm. we had no job orders in 2008 for like a year. I mean, it was the same as last yeah. year. It was like, okay, I guess we're just going to all sit and wait. And then once everybody started hiring, it was like, we need these people yesterday. I'm like, okay, hold on. You just, you know, we could have been planning, as you said. We could have been strategizing. And that's, you know, it goes back to the age-old transactional versus strategic. If you see TA or HR or people as completely transactional, that they're only there for that task at hand, Mm-hmm. And that they're not there to help you future plan and strategize and brainstorm, then that's exactly what's happening. So I guess it was just a bummer that it was like, come on, didn't we move past some of this? Didn't you see them as integral parts of the business? And I have right. to say it was disappointing that they haven't. I mean, of right. course, now I think they're saying they are. The question is going to be if there's hypocrisy in that, if they're actually ready. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, I think back, and these are all very, very anecdotal, but, you know, I think back over the last year and, um, you know, uh, especially small mid-sized companies, right, where there there was maybe an HR, t- HR T 
team of, you know, five, let's say. I'm, I'm thinking of one person I talked to, and probably this must have been midsummer last year. And they had had a, an HR team of five. Okay, uh, business slows down. The, the type of business they were in, it was just, you know, it, it dried up, right? I mean, they weren't closed yep. or anything, but, okay, we need to cut some costs. So they did cut across the organization, did some, some cuts and some savings, but they came in and they decimated the HR department. So they went from this HR department of five down to three and then down to one. Wow. wow. Um, and it, you know, it, it, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, they had to leave lights on somehow. <laughs> you know, I don't know. but Yeah, of course. Uh, so of then this, course. this poor person left. That. Exactly. Uh, you, you know, the, the, this poor person left was, you know, then at the stage of, well, shit still needs to get done. So she's yeah. working, you know, 80 hours a week, um, you know, burning herself out and, um you know when when did it when did it ever come back? I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, the rate well, of so HR really burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen HR burnout like it is now. I don't even really yeah. remember this from those 2009 yeah. 10 days. I mean, this is like no. I'm sure we're both talking to people who are. I've talked to someone who has been working till two or three in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. She's like, it's endless. It's open enrollment. It's a new a new mm-hmm. applicant tracking system. It's a new HR implementation, and I'm the only one, like you say, I'm the only one doing it. It's like, how mm-hmm. are people not aware? And I guess, you know, you and I have talked about this so many times. Is it HR pros not advocating for themselves, or is it executives not valuing them? And unfortunately, yeah. I think it's both parties responsible for this. Yes. Yeah. We don't like to yeah. look inward, but we really have to. Yeah. Well, and let's kind of let's kind of dive let's kind of dive into those two things Um, because, you know, on the one hand, I have long said that um, the biggest problem with HR is who's hiring for HR. And when I say that, I mean, it's the CEO, COO, C-suite, whatever. They're hiring for something they don't understand. Or they're hiring yeah. with this, with this, um, you know, their buddy at another company told them, oh, here's what you need. And, you know, so they cut and paste the job description. <laughs> Let's go out and look yep. at this. Ooh, oh, we heard that there's some kind of certification. Let's say we need that. So they might have this sexy sounding title and job posting and, um, uh, you know, if they're working with a recruiter, yeah, yeah, this is what the person's going to do, and oh, yeah, this is going to transform HR, blah, blah, blah. And they say all the right things. Yep. Either they they don't mean it, or they um, think they mean it, but they don't. You know, and and so they yeah. At the end of the day, what is that leader? What's that leader's view of HR? What is it someone to come in and, you know, yes, there's this foundational, functional stuff that needs to get done. You need that strong, strong foundation. You need that experience. You need someone that knows the the nuts and bolts of HR. But is that all you want? And maybe you do. Yeah. But then say that's all you want. Mm -hmm. And, And say, you know what, we just want HR to come in and, and and make sure everybody's paid and gets their benefits and throw a picnic every year or whatever. 
Then say that. Because <laughs> yes. there's somebody that maybe would be okay with that. Um, but don't say you're of going course. to have this person be your strategic HR leader and, you know, your partner and this and that, and then castrate them and, and not give them any any power or not really want them to speak the truth or tell you yep. when, tell you, Mr. Leader, when things are not as they should be. Um, so, I, you know, I think quite often it still starts with who's hiring that HR leader. Yeah. It's a great point. I think this is really something that we've seen in the last five years shift where I think, I don't know, I think you and I both would agree that we liked it when, you know, five years ago a CEO would say to an HR person, hey, I'm hiring you for my team. I genuinely don't really understand what you do. I'd love for you to explain to me how you can add value here. Um, I'm more than happy to give you resources and money and stuff that you need. You've got to just tell me what you need and I'll do it. And let's just rock and roll. But now CEOs, I don't know, you know, again, it's probably all of us, which is great, letting them know how they need to be people first and human oriented. And we've been (laughs) drilling it down their throats, which is great that obviously we've been educating. But the problem is I think there are a lot of people out there with kind of a very superficial level of education. And then they're, what's the word, confabulation? Like it's like they're, they're, they're basically in buzzword city, and they're not, they have no idea what they're talking about. And yeah, so yeah. candidates are getting, like, duped. Like, I hear from a lot of candidates that they feel like, wow, the CEO really sold me on this high-level strategic HR role. I'm like, yeah, because like you said, Robin, they read, you know, uh, some bullets, or they watched one of our yeah. talks, and then they felt like, oh, well, that's what it is. Um, and so it's really up to HR to be like really discerning now. And I keep thinking about peeling back layers of the onion. Like we are all responsible for keep keeping asking that question of what's their view of HR. Like you'll mm-hmm. hear, I'm sure both of us do this all the time. Like I will literally say like, so mm-hmm. what's your philosophy about HR? They're like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? I'm like, exactly. Like, tell me, just, just, mm-hmm. just answer that and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what we would love to tell people is that, yeah, if your HR function is solely the party plan or benefit person, great. There are HR pros who love that job. And no shame, exactly. literally, none. Yep. Just yep. own it instead of trying to yeah. be like buzzwordy and fancy because yep. it's really creating a lot of confusion out here. Well, and I think that that becomes as well, and I'm sure you, 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 know, uh, you know, we both see this, uh, that becomes probably one of the largest points of frustration for for so many HR professionals. Um, you know, they go into an organization, they, you know, let's face it, unless it's a, a, a real hellhole, every, every job has its honeymoon period, right? You go in and yes. you're like, this is great. And, you know, oh, maybe I've done an audit and an assessment and here's this, here's, I've got this plan and here's what I'm going to fix or implement or change or whatever. And you kind of get through that, that phase, you know, could be six months, could be a year, could be two years. And you kind of, yeah, done, got this, get, this is rocking and rolling. And yeah. then it's like, but now, now what? Um, now am I going to continue to keep doing more of the same? Or, you know, I was maybe during that honeymoon period fixing stuff. And we were all in agreement, the CEO that hired me, you know, we were in agreement that there was stuff to fix. Now that's done and I'm ready to, you know, it's a year later and I'm ready to 
to move us forward, right? Become a little more modern. Yeah. So that's, you know, new, new ways of thinking, new training for my managers, new expectations, new technology, whatever. And then, and then it's, oh, well, no, we really don't want HR to do that. And yep. that's when, when that HR leader or, or generalist or whoever starts hitting that wall of, oh, my God, yeah. you know, I, they're telling me no. Well, how am I supposed to grow my own skills and my own professional capabilities? And how do they expect, they obviously don't expect me to advance the organization because they're yeah. content to just kind of sit where they are. And, and, and that, that, I think, is when so many HR folks say, you know, then it's time for me to, to look, make yeah. a move. Um, well, and those are the moments that I think it's better, I don't think I know, it's better for an organization to use a consulting firm like yours and partner with someone like you to actually just help them build the capabilities and then decide yeah. what level of HR person they want to hire. Yeah, I actually gave that yep. advice yesterday. Um, a CEO called me yesterday, and he was like, we need you to help us find an internal recruiter. And I could tell he was feeling that panicked energy. And so I slowed mm-hmm. him down. I'm like, what exactly is going on? He's like, well, we need to hire like 15 software engineers very quickly. And I'm like, okay, and then what? And then it's like, oh, then yeah. nothing. Like, and, then it's, and so I said, so you don't actually <laughs> need a corporate recruiter, right? Because what they'll do is you'll hire them. They'll fill these yep. 15 jobs. You're not actually looking for a strategic partner because you've, again, we've talked through philosophy. We're not aligned with that. So, okay. So I said, yep. what you actually need is a consultant who there are so many creative solutions. As I said at the start of our call, there's these embedded recruiting solutions where someone can come in and fill the job, mm-hmm. pretend they're, not pretend, but kind of be part of your organization and then get yep. out like a contractor, like you were talking about. Yep. And so I said to him, that's, that's what you need to be doing. And he was like, oh, my gosh, what a great idea. And I thought, it's happening even with HR. I mean, that's where your firm works. It's like if someone says, okay, we need to build out an HRIS. We need a – great, but maybe you don't need a full-time employee for that. Right. Um, And so there's just a lot of hiring strategy that, you know, I think we need HR leaders in C-suite to just be open to different creative solutions. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's truly what it is. I um I looked up yeah. the definition recently of hypocrisy because when we hear the word hypocrite, we all have like a very visceral reaction to it. Like that's such a negative word. And I thought, mm-hmm. like I'm such a geek for language. I thought, let me just look it up. I'm going to read it to us because I, I think this is actually exactly what it is. It's, it's hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have beliefs to which owns behavior does not conform. So it's like they say uh-huh. one thing, but their behavior uh-huh. is totally misaligned. That's really what uh-huh. it is. So it's like no, uh-huh. no, again, no judgment. That's what we're talking about. Don't be a hypocrite. Just, just yep. think about genuinely what your values, beliefs, and standards are, and then yep. make sure your behavior aligns. Yep, yep. It's not, it's not rocket yep. science, but it is hard sometimes to get the ego out of this and yes. Not do what your peers are doing, like you said. Oh, my buddy hired someone. Great, but you're not your buddy, and your firm might be doing something more innovatively. Yeah, and you're and you're not you're not the you're not the same company. Doesn't matter what your buddy is doing. You know, that's right. There's there's so many different factors in it, Um, and you know, and that's our that's our CEOs and and business owners. You know, kind of with their stuff to work out. But, I, you know, there's another group that um, 
I think has a role to play in in sort of how we how we hire better in HR, um, and that's the HR leaders themselves. That's the CHRO yeah. or the HR director who's hiring a team or hiring or or building hiring capabilities across her organization. Um, what are some things that you have seen with um, you know with with these HR leaders that they themselves could improve upon? What you know what do they need to kind of step back at and and think about um, their yeah. own capabilities perhaps or approach to um, okay to ramping up. Yeah, I love market. this question. Yeah, it's so true. I think. Actually, yesterday, I should have tagged you. It was a quick decision, but I ran into a clubhouse room with this guy that we know from Twitter, Alan Allard. I'll make sure that you two know each other. I think you'd really like him. He's a boomer who is a former therapist, psychotherapist, but now is a corporate coach, and he Hmm. coaches a lot of business leaders, salespeople. He's just very, very gentle and kind. He's kind of everything you'd want a therapist to be, but he's, you know, now he's like a He's just a business expert, and he's under the radar. He's somebody that I met through Twitter that actually should be a great guest on this show, but nonetheless, he's very, very warm. And I have learned a lot from him from his tweets about self-development, self-trust, self-love. So I said to him, well, can we get on the clubhouse and just – I kind of want to brainstorm through some of the obstacles I'm seeing, like HR leaders when they're hiring. And I had so many takeaways yesterday. I'll send you my, my notes, and we can even share okay. them in the notes here. But I think what a lot of it is, and this is going to make a lot of HR people listening uncomfortable, but that's what we're aiming to do is, like, growth is uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> um, it, is, it is really, really important to look inward at the start of a hiring journey because it's one of the most vulnerable things you do as a leader is to hire for your own team. And so what usually mm-hmm. gets in the way is ego, um, which can be masqueraded mm-hmm. as insecurity or fear or paralysis mm-hmm. analysis or being cold or dismissive on an interview. And so I think the best HR leaders that I partner with are the ones that have humility and are willing to say, Laura, I do not know everything there is to know about hiring. I would love your guidance and insight. I really would welcome feedback from the candidates. So if there are things I can be doing mm-hmm. better, I'd love to hear what they are. And I want to make sure that we're following the same process and system that we would want the rest of the business to follow. But that is not the usual statement, Robin. <laughs> Usually it's, I don't want to, we don't need a structured interview. We don't need behavioral interview, guys. You don't need to give us any advice. I don't really care what the candidates think. Don't worry about it. Um, we know how to do this. We've done this before. And that huh. creates like this big barrier to learning. And it actually also really creates a very bad candidate experience because the candidates yeah. feel that tension. Um, and so the best way to improve is to go from ego to humility, which is a journey you can only do on your own, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why every HR mm-hmm. leader should have a therapist or a coach or someone that they can talk to because this profession requires us to be really sharp with our mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, sometimes, um, and this, <laughs> this is true um, across so many things, um, HR people are often, we're the worst at taking our own advice. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're very good at, you know, and 
at advising others, um, whether that be a manager, whether that be a candidate, whether that be, uh, you know, a team member, whatever. Um, but, yeah, don't stop and kind of do that self-reflection back to ourselves. And it's, you know, the, it's kind of the joke of, you know, uh, you know, HR people at the worst are writing their own resumes, <laughs> for example. Yeah, you know, or, yeah. Um, but then even even thinking through, um, yeah, what, what that hiring process should be, what it's accomplishing. And just taking the shame out. Like, yeah, like they, yeah. Like, okay, exactly. HR pros are pretty bad at writing resumes. I get intro notes from HR job seekers that are horrendous. And the point is to take the yeah. shame out of that. Like, <laughs> it kind of is what it is. Like, let's just start yep. accepting it, you know? Like, yep. yeah, so there are people out here to help us. Like, that's what we're here to do. And I think – what we talked a lot about with Alan yesterday was like this idea that we're really good, especially as women, we're really good at giving, right? Giving advice, like you said, giving guidance, giving love, giving, yeah. giving attention to our employees, all the things we want HR leaders to do, to be giving and thoughtful. And yet we mm-hmm. resist receiving it when actually that's mm-hmm. really unhealthy. Like it, I think to be a better, Brene Brown actually talks about this, to be a better giver, you have to be a better receiver. They're kind of both ends of the same coin. And so yeah. I think we actually have to practice receiving help and practice receiving advice and feedback. And hiring yeah. is like the perfect experiment for that. You know, can you receive a new way of doing something? Right. But, you know, we also um, collect, collectively, I, I've seen this so often over the years, we, we also in HR are um, – Again, I think it's coming from those places of, of fear or imposter syndrome or whatever it may be. Um, we're so bad at – we don't nurture our young. We, we eat them alive. Yeah. Um, and and the, that newly minted college grad or that person who's made a career change or whatever, but they're coming into the HR profession for the first time. I don't care if it's HR proper, they're a new recruiter, they're a specialist in, in, in any realm. Um, we have this expectation um, that they're going to, A, they're going to know everything. And if they don't, you know, uh, uh, there's just not a lot of coaching and teaching. Yeah. Um, and we post, you know, I say we, uh, <laughs> the collective we, right? Uh, think of all the whatever, HR assistant, HR coordinator, that entry-level job into an organization and you see it saying, oh, you need a bachelor's degree and three to four years experience. And that's your entry level HR yeah. role in your organization. Why, 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 you know? Um, I think it's so much insecurity. Like I hear from HR leaders, I know you and I, we talked about this even with pay equity, right? Like I have leaders yeah. say to me like, well, I didn't make 100K when I was 25 years old. I can't believe yep, yep, that she yep. would even ask for it. And I'm like, whoa, yep. slow down. First of all, you were 25 in 1992 and things have evolved. Like, we need to kind of, <laughs> it's okay to, like, admit and acknowledge an evolution and generational differences and different economies. Like, I, but there's, it comes typically, in my experience with HR, when they are struggling to pay someone on their team what they're worth, or coach yeah. or train that person. As you said, like, why, why is a global head of recruiting or global head of HR not 
seeking out coaching, training, development for their team? Why is that not automatically happening? Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. course it should be, mm-hmm. right? We should be leading from the front, practicing what we preach. Mm-hmm. It's clearly coming mm-hmm. from some deficit, some fear. And that's why I'm not mm-hmm. exaggerating when I say it's inner work. I don't know how else to tackle it because when I talk to HR leaders one-on-one, it's so clear that that anxiety they're feeling to – to be fair, to be equitable, to be generous. Mm-hmm. It's coming from like a, but I didn't get that, and I don't get mm-hmm. that. Instead of like, well, if you start to advocate for yourself, which I know you're a huge proponent of, and actually do yep. demand what you need and want, you won't resent that your team is demanding what they need and want. Right, right. But we can't hold people back because we're afraid to stand in our own worth. Right. That feels really dysfunctional to me. Right. Well, and, and that's why we're probably not yeah. lifting people up. We're not bringing them through. <laughs> and it, it's that. And then if, if as the HR leader, the HR team lead or whatever it is, if I'm not advocating for myself yeah. or asking for what I need or what I expect or charting, charting the course that I want to take my team or my department or whatever, how in the world am I going to advocate for the – the people that are working for me, you know, I'm, there you I'm, go. A, I'm a, you know, I'm a recruiting manager and I don't um, feel that I can ask to, um, you know, uh, go for additional learning or attend a conference or get some resources. And, and yeah, and I've got a team of six recruiters sitting under me, it, you know, who are ter- certainly not going to get anything because I'm not even saying it's important to me. Um, exactly. And, and this is groundbreaking. Though. You know, what you're saying is giving me goosebumps. Like we're not talking about this enough, and this is so groundbreaking. Like for anybody listening, mm-hmm. rewind and listen to that again. That's very, very powerful because it's happening yeah. daily. It seems so yeah. obvious, and yet, right, of course not. Of course they can't advocate for right. their own team. They're not even advocating for themselves. And how often yeah. do we see this, by the way, for, like, mothers, right, in their own family? That's why they get resentful and angry because they're yeah, caring yeah. about everybody else but forgetting about themselves and then literally sometimes forgetting about their own kids because they're worrying about the neighbor's kids, the cousin's kids, the, everybody else. You know, they're not looking at their own house. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, to me, this is, like, a groundbreaking conversation because I, I think if we can realize that we can advocate for ourselves, stand in our own self-worth, it would change everything. And, and you know, and I think an, another piece of it becomes being um, HR for far too long has played, um, has played the martyr within the yeah. company. Right. You know, so, Oh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's again, kind of back to that mother analogy, right? Oh, I'll let the kids eat first yeah. and the husband old school, right? The husband and the kids can sit down yeah. and, and then I'll eat when they're done. Then, the, yep, then the in-laws, the neighbors, the cousin, the person who needs a ride yeah. to the airport. Yeah, all those other people. Yeah. There's a really yeah. interesting thing about, like, I mean, women in general, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like, HR is mostly women, so I'm glad we finally, well, not finally, you and I have always acknowledged it. Like, right. let's call it what it is. This is this is where we are. And women, especially American women, are we have been conditioned, most of us, certainly, to be people pleasers, to think it's Mm -hmm. our job to soothe other people, to try to control how other people feel. And this is exactly what I'm saying, that we need to unlearn so much of that. Because if we spend our entire careers, like, outwardly focused, we're not 
advancing HR at all. And I think what's been really eye-opening for me about this is like, because even myself, like as a businesswoman, you know, when when I started standing in my worth and charging what I was worth, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's just powerful. It impacts everything. It's, you know, you're not coming from a place of insecurity and, oh, I hope it's okay. I hope they like me. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know who I am. These are my values. This is my approach. And the right people will be really excited about that. And the same when you're Mm -hmm. an internal HR pro. Um, mm-hmm. the, the last point I would make about this that I think is really interesting is when I tell a CEO, like, hey, your head of HR is feeling really resentful. She wants a 30K raise and is hesitant mm-hmm. to ask you because she said you'll never do it. And they're like, what the hell? Of course I would do it. We don't want to lose her. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like to your point about being a martyr, I think there's a self-sabotage sometimes of like, oh, I'm not yes. going to ask for that. They would never. Yeah. How do you know? Because when we ask, when we go above you to ask on your behalf, we hear yes. So it's maybe that we're not asking. Because, you know, when we hear it all the time in HR, right, we don't have it in the budget. You don't or you haven't asked for it. Right, right. You didn't didn't go to your CFO to ask because you felt bad because you didn't want to seem needy because you didn't want to upset or rock the boat. And so instead your team is working until 2 in the morning. Yeah. It's. Yep. We have to teach assertiveness, and we have to teach self-worth in HR. I'm sorry. Yep. Enough about the data, the metrics, the tech right now. This is where, this is where we need help. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, um, you know, kind of we are, uh, we are getting down to the end here already. So I want to do one, one kind of wrap-up question um, before we share how folks can get in touch with you and everything. But, you know, we, we've talked here a lot about um, the need for HR professionals to, to know their own worth, right? So, and yeah. and I think especially, yes, that's while you're working internally, but that's also when you're um, when you're ready to make a career move um, or you're starting yes. to prepare for what's my next, where do I want to go next? You know, I may not be actively looking right now, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. So, um, what what's some key advice? Um, for HR pros to, you know, how do they determine their own worth? Um, and then how do they, you know, kind of use that and, and help them help themselves control their career destiny, I guess, for lots of a better Yeah, way. I love that. No, I know. As cheesy as that sounds, it's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be in the driver's seat as an HR job seeker. Because if you think about what we talked at the start of the call about, you know, executives and HR leaders using the buzzwords and selling you on their opportunity. I mean, everyone's a great sales branding and everyone's just amazing at it. So you've literally got to be in the driver's seat of the vehicle. You have to remember it's your career. So that's exactly right. I think Mm -hmm. knowing yourself, knowing what you need and want, knowing what you desire next, knowing what's missing now and being really clear on your ideal scenario And I always remind candidates in HR, you know, being picky is not the same as being clear, but you have to feel clear about Mm -hmm. your goals. And then, of course, you can be flexible, but so many are afraid to feel like, oh, I don't want to limit it. No, but you still have to have a vision for yourself because it will keep you in control and, and Mm -hmm. again, not just be susceptible to that sales pitch. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other thing is to invest in help if you need it. So, again, to your point about resumes, right, like, oh, gosh, they're embarrassed, they, they, their resume is not good, and they, yeah. or they, they're really bad at interviewing and they don't know what to do. Like, there yeah. are people out here, I certainly offer the service of, of interview coaching mm-hmm. and 
there, but there are many. There are so many options. There are courses you can get on. There are webinars to attend. Like, again, the ego has to just kind of take a, take a break and say, where can I improve? Um, and not to feel like that's anything shameful. Job searching is a skill. And you, every skill mm-hmm. is worthy of development. Mm-hmm. Just because you're in HR doesn't mean you automatically know how to be a candidate. They're two different things. Right. Even a recruiter, right? right? Even a recruiter right. doesn't always have a great time with it. It doesn't – so I think we have to just take that assumption away, that like, oh, I should know. If you ever hear the word should, take it out and see where you can just improve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, and I think um, – this year and the rest of this year, you know, we've all been reading, um, you know, research and surveys and articles left, right, and center. This is the year of the great resignation. And so we're going to yeah. see a lot of folks um, making career changes. So on the plus side, folks working in HR who are, are, are at the point of saying, I know what I want. I know what I need. I know what next step I want to take. This might be their year. For them exactly. To go get make it. That move. Go find it. Go get Absolutely. It. Start yep. networking. Start getting out there. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, I'm all pumped up now. This is why we need to find their. I want people to find their next trade opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. This is why they need to find exactly. us and, and network and not stay in the in the hidden you know bunkers of 2020 anymore. That's right. So speaking of that, um, obviously on our landing page, we have, we have you linked both to your, um, you know, your Twitter ID as well as your website. But, but tell our listeners um, where they can connect with you online because you're all over the place. Okay. I'm pretty much, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I have a YouTube channel now called Learn with Laura HR. So I'd love to have some subscribers there. I'm totally open to feedback on videos you want for the future. Um, but my website has everything listed. So, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. Just go to eastsidestaffing.com. And don't be a stranger. We're all learning and unlearning and growing together. Yep. But as Robin said, this is the year to just embrace change and be really ready and willing to stand in your worth. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, it's um, a win for individual wins um, for people growing their profession becomes a collective win for the entire profession. You know, I love that. That's such a good point. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Well, a fabulous, fabulous show on drive through HR today. Thank you again to our guest, Laura Mazzullo from Eastside Staffing. Um, Always a pleasure. Thank you, Robin. And uh, thanks to everybody for tuning into the drive-thru today. And uh, here comes a little outro music. Bye, everybody. Bye.